when your application fails, finding the reason quickly is essential for limiting downtime. Often, most of the time it takes to repair a problem is taken by figuring out what exactly went wrong. PromptOps is a service designed to make tracing the answer to why something happened back to the original cause. This episode is hosted by Lee Atchison. Lee Atchison is a software architect, author, and thought leader on cloud computing and application modernization. His most recent book, Architecting for Scale, is an essential resource for technical teams looking to maintain high availability and manage risk in their cloud environments. Lee is the host of his podcast, Modern Digital Business, an engaging and informative podcast produced for people looking to build and grow their digital business with the help of modern applications and processes developed for today's fast-moving business environment. Subscribe at mdb.fm and follow Lee at leeatchison.com. Dev Nag is the CEO of PromptOps, and he's my guest today. Dev, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thank you very much. So let's get started here. Tell me first, what exactly is PromptOps? I'm a, somewhat familiar with... Uh, with um, uh, 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 your your preview with Control Stack, but not so much with PromptOps. Why don't you tell me a little bit about what PromptOps is? Yeah, so PromptOps is actually the fastest, easiest way to do DevOps with maximum leverage. So it's a it's a powerful conversational assistant that combines the full internal context of your system and your goals with the full external documentation and process knowledge out there on the web together at the point of contact to actually help you get these tasks done faster and easier and safer than ever. So. I've, I noticed you talk about um, about two thirds of the downtime is trying to figure out the cause for why something. Yes, you know, and, and I certainly can believe that number. That that's my experiences and my history certainly seems to to confirm that number. But but what exactly do you do to help with that? Yeah, so let, let's talk about the numbers. So like I think you know I've been doing DevOps for twenty years now since before it had a name back at PayPal and Google and eBay and VMware. Um, so what we find, and what we found for at least 40 years since before I was in the industry, certainly, is that most problems are caused by internal changes, about 75, 80%. In survey after survey, going back to the 80s and 90s, it's been kind of a constant forever. So the way that we think about it inside the company is that there's kind of the four Cs that create the chaos that makes operations so hard, right? There's basically code, meaning new code getting deployed, customers, the cloud, and coworkers, right? People are making changes around you. And all these things are actually highly dynamic. They're actually changing faster than ever nowadays with like higher feature velocity and more customers, more scale. It's like trying to ride four horses at once. Um, so what we do is we actually draw this entire data structure, this huge graph that ties together cause and effect across your whole application. So we can actually find in a few seconds, if you have a weird symptom, a weird metric that drops, a KPI, a weird log message, we actually can walk that graph backwards to all the potential causes, which are almost always internal changes. Um, or one of those four C's that basically is the uh, the source of all the chaos. So let's walk through the creation of this. Uh, of uh, yeah, I, I, what exactly? What are the sources of, of data that you use that creates this graph? That's a great question. So like my my previous company, so I was you know uh, formerly the founder and CTO of a company called Wavefront, and Wavefront did metrics. Then we added histograms and tracing some other things. So right now we have what's called the melt stack, right? Melt is, you know, metrics, events, logs, and traces. That's kind of the typical observability, the four data types, the four horsemen of data. Um, the problem with melt right now is that they're kind of silos. They're kind of like, you know, disparate data types that don't connect well together. You might have a metric that has like a certain name, like, you know, Gandalf01 for the host name, 
and a Splunk log that has something completely different, like, you know, Gandalf.corp.dev or whatever it is, and you have a hard time reconciling these things together, you're often not sure if you're taking actions on the same, you know, machine that you see a metric from. So we have a problem of identity and of connection, right? I can't say from a metric, what metric is upstream or downstream of this? Like, they're not semantically connected to the metric name, right? So what we did, you know, at Prompt Office, we actually went back to the drawing board and said, okay, the data right now is way disconnected. We've tried machine learning to connect together. It's too slow. It's too expensive. Why don't we connect all that data from the start? So what we actually do is we build a graph at the point of collection. We actually have agents that like look at the network traffic connection, look at you know things running on top of other things. So you have like a, a container inside a pod on top of a node. We actually link those uh, entities together in the graph before we send it up to the cloud. So we have this ginormous graph that explains everything tied together in your system, all of the you know entities, components, services, all the requests going back and forth at both you know request level and things that are not requests at all, like you know things that are like actually resource calls or resource usage. And that thing is actually generated every 30 seconds from scratch. So we actually do the whole graph for you from scratch every 30 seconds. And that is the mechanism that we use to like, you know, do root cause analysis in basically 30 seconds. Say, here's a weird symptom. How do we go back to the cause of it? So is is that chart at the uh, resource level then? So like the node level and all the details that connect it all together? Or is it at the metric level? It's actually, so that's a great question. I didn't get to that. So basically like we have all the resources. So like, you know, node, cluster, pod, container, process, but then all the, the melt data, the, the metrics and the events logs and traces get attached to the components in that graph. So the graph is a way of walking between metrics and between logs or metric to log or saying these metrics and logs are on the same entity, even though they're not tagged the same way, right? We actually are able to connect all these things to the graph. The graph is sort of the backbone and melt kind of hangs off that like ornaments on a Christmas tree. Okay. So now you've got this graph and is there anything else that's, before we go on from that, uh, is there anything else that's involved in the construction of the graph. So one thing that we do that's kind of interesting is we actually like show um, where people are looking at the graph. So like, you know, we have obviously the system context of like what's happening in your system, but we also have a social context. We actually work together, you know, at, at big companies, you have like, you know, teams of people looking at systems. So like obviously at PayPal and eBay, Google, you might have dozens of people looking at an incident at one time. We actually know like, you know, when someone is looking at a part of the graph and we tag them to the graph, they're actually now an entity inside the graph as well. So I can say, oh, I see Lee is looking at the same database that I am, right? Is he about to restart the database? I was going to do that. Should I ping him first to see what's happening? So you actually have the social graph tied on top of the system graph at the same time. Got it. Okay. Okay. So there's a social aspect, the resource aspect, the metrics tied to the resources. So you have all this data of things that are impacting your system as a whole, all interconnected together. And then and this, an incident happens, or an incident is detected, I should say. That's, we don't know when it happens, but we know when it's, detect, when it's detected. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, So an incident is detected. Mm -hmm. Now what happens, I'm assuming this is where your, your, um, your AI logic uh, kicks in, but how, exactly. do you, how do you go from that back to a root cause? So because, you know, 80% of these problems are caused by internal changes, we actually track all the changes, and those changes are events that are connected to the graph. So every time you, like, change a pod or, like, you know, scale or something or change a flag or whatever, that becomes tied to the graph. So now we have all these, like, you know, symptoms or potential symptoms that you see and potential causes, right? And you can walk the symptoms backwards in that graph to see which the most likely causes are. And so what happens, you know, from the user point of view is that you have a, you know, a page duty page come in, it has some KPI that looks bad. It's like, you know, transactions dropped off a cliff or like, you know, CPU usage hit the, the ceiling, whatever happened. And we're actually able within 30 seconds to follow it up with like another uh, update from, from prompt off saying, here's actually the, the root cause of that problem. So page duty page comes in, 
you know, alert for like this condition. 36 later, the Slack comes in with like, you know, here's the root cause of this. And here's a link to a deeper dashboard explaining all that, that graph, the melt data attached to it and all the evidence. Okay. So, um, you know, let's, let's think of a simple example of a problem that could occur. Um, let's say there's a, um, uh, uh, a problem with a, uh, with a, with a, um, the, the network connectivity into a node. Yeah. And that's causing a particular resource to have, you know, lots of packet errors and things. You know, that's a scenario like that. Yeah. And the way you detect that is a um, drop in, um, in successful API completions. That's I'm right. just completely making this up. We can exactly, think of a hundred yeah. different scenarios like that. So given that, what you end up with is we know that this API call, mm -hmm. by looking at this graph, is connected to all these backend systems. Exactly. These backend systems have all of this data. And oh, by the way, there's this one metric and this one resource that also happens to be going haywire right now. You're able to connect back and see, and see the, the causation that where that could cause this problem to occur. And that's what you report back. Exactly. Like in that case, you might have two symptoms that are like kind of connected. You might have like, you know, a drop in the incoming traffic on the uh, server side and the client's reporting timeouts, right? You're having kind of both signals together. Whichever one you see first, whichever one kind of comes into like your alerting system and like notifies you first. There's a root cause for that, right? So we can actually walk the graph backwards. We also have the history of all the graphs before that, right? So we we collect the whole graph every 30 seconds. We have the history of graphs before that. We can say, hey, these two things were connected for a long time, for like several hours, and all of a sudden they're not connected, right? There was a drop here. Why did that happen? We can say, oh, someone changed a security group or they changed an IAM role, right? That's the initiating event. The The network uh, connectivity is actually a symptom, right, of some upstream cause. So what is that cause? We want to go find out that that initial cause because then you can work around it and like, you know, kind of uh, remediate the problem. So when I was at Amazon, one of the things that was always an ongoing issue is when you are working an issue with your service, you not only cared about what the root cause of that was, but what other problems you might become yes. the root cause for. Yes. So informing upstream you know, hey, so-and-so, you might have problems because we're having problems and you should be aware of this. And so I'm assuming that's part of this as well, too. So it that is. when that's... other issues pop up later on or simultaneously in another part of the system, you can find that correlation back. It's a, it's a super insightful question because you're exactly right. So like, you know, going from like a known effect to an unknown cause is troubleshooting, right? That's going backwards in the graph. What you talked about is a known cause to an unknown effect, right? It's the other way around. We have the graph. We actually walk the same graph the other direction. We're able to say what we call change impact. When you make a change, what happened afterwards? Like we actually go from a change like a new deploy or a feature flag change and say, here are all the metrics that changed because of your like, you know, update. Here's all the, the new log messages. Here's all the like metrics KPIs that changed, you know, by more than X percent. And here's basically the outcomes of like what happened here. So you can say, well, it's actually totally fine. I can go home for the day or I need to warn these other teams that are like relying on me that like we have a major problem here. And I need to like roll back and give them the, the heads up. Now that's really cool. I we could have definitely used that back. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I could use for 20 years as well. Like that's been yeah. going backwards or forward in the graph. That's what we do in our minds. So like, you know, I think of what we do as people, you know, as, as looking at like, you know, these incidents and I've done it like in so many knocks for 20 years, you know, eBay had this like huge room to like look at these uh, situations. Cause like every minute down was like, you know, half a million dollars in, in lost revenue. And so what you see is that people actually have a graph in their minds, right? They're looking at like, you know, what do I know is talking to that service? That's a weird symptom. What could the cause be like, you know, one or two hops away in my mental graph? All we did is take that mental process and put it into code, right? That data structure that maps to what we already know inside our head of like what the dependencies are, what the connections are, requests are. 
And so like, you know, we're looking at two things as humans are looking at the when and the where, right? What happened around this time? Like, what do we just change? That's the when. And what happened around that in space as far as like other things connecting to it or like depending on it or like, you know, requesting to it. Right, right. So one of the things I talk a lot about is is application modernization. And so, you know, the the whole, you know, a major portion of that, not the only thing, but a major portion of that is the move away from monolithic applications into service-oriented architectures. And, the, the you know, one of the quote-unquote advantages of that is the services are simpler, so they're easier to understand and manage and control. What that whole argument fails to bring into reality, though, is at the same time as you simplify the services, you make um, much more complex the interconnection between the services. Right. And your system as a whole, the complexity does not decrease. It may even increase. Mm-hmm even though individual services are easier to comprehend, which has value for scaling organizations and lots of value in doing that, the overall complexity of your application really doesn't necessarily get any less complicated, but it does change the types of things you have to do. And there's a lot more interconnectedness and yes. working with other teams, working with other groups, working exactly. with other yeah. systems. And a tool like this can really help with that because this is all related to the graph that you're creating. Exactly. And like it actually ties to both graphs, both the system graph and the social graph, because as you know, you know, every service has an owner, whether it's Amazon or eBay or PayPal, like, you know, all these clusters have like different people who may or may not have the same on-call rotations, may not know each other. But when you have a symptom in your service, it might be caused like, you know, five hops away in some other downstream service or something you're relying on. And you don't know until you like kind of dig through like, you know, each layer of the earth one level at a time. And like, you know, seven hours into you're like, oh, it's like that thing five hops away from me. I wish we'd known that from the beginning, right? So our job is actually to say the whole application across all the services is one giant graph. We want to walk that whole thing and be able to say our best guess is this service five layers down within 30 seconds, not seven hours away. Cool. That's neat. So, okay. So you big, massive graph, and that gives you the data to show interconnections of between cause and effect between issues. That, this is all wonderful. This is great. This sounds simple and easy. So where's the complexity here? What's the hard part? Is the hard part the creation of the graph or of the walking the graph later? Well, the hard I'd say they're both complex and different. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, so answer. Creating the graph is obviously difficult because you have such a heterogeneity of systems. Like you have like on the one hand, Third-party black box services like, you know, AWS Lambda, where you don't have a lot of introspection. You can't install an agent on a Lambda. It's basically like, you know, you're looking at the AWS like metrics. And then software that's much more traditional, like, you know, Kubernetes running on top of EC2, where you have like kind of full access to the process tables and look at all the resources and that kind of stuff, right? So you have like wildly different services, right? You also have like, you know, very different types of connections. You have things where like, you know, service A calls service B, but you have other connections where it's like, you know, a pod running on top of a, uh, a node, right? And you're like, well, how do I reflect that in the graph database. It's not a request type relationship, but something very, very different. And you might have things that like share resources, like, you know, a shared storage array and so forth. So defining the schema of that graph is actually quite difficult. That took a lot of time for us to do internally. And then making sure it actually worked across multiple clouds, multiple architectures and so forth. That's the first half of it. The second part is walking the graph. So it's not hard to walk the graph. It's hard to walk it efficiently in a time period that makes sense for root cause analysis, you know, during an incident. That's, I think, where a lot of the magic secret sauce happens. Like, how do we actually decide where to walk the graph? Because it's too big to look at the whole thing, right? It's just like too much like uh, traversals to be like, you know, kind of like efficient. So knowing what the heuristics are and the machine learning, like walk the right parts of the graph based on like what you find every step, which again, mimics what people actually do is the right way to go there. Cool. Okay. So um, tell me a little bit more about your company and where you're at and, and where this technology is at. 
Yeah, so we've been in development for a couple of years now. We're just coming out of Stealth right now. So like if you go to promptops.com, you can see, you know, the the whole like kind of uh, the playground demo, like what the actual bad proposition is. And you can see what that Slack workflow looks like from the beginning. It's like, you know, here's the page coming in and here's, you know, promptops saying, here's what we think the root cause is within 30 seconds. And because it takes often like, you know, several, like in half hour, hours to like go find the root cause, getting that, you know, 30 second RCA, even if it's like not quite correct the first time, it has amazing value because you like say, well, this is, close to it, I can like start with that and like get like, you know, save a couple hours of work. Or I can like say, this is actually a dead end. Let me go find the next best hypothesis in my mind, because I have some other data that was not like, you know, instrumented properly, whatever it happens to be. Um, but it's meant to be super easy to get started, work with your exi existing uh, observability stack and say, here's like, you know, your metrics and logs and events and traces right now. We sit on top of all that stuff and like suck in all the data and build a graph from scratch. Okay. So you're in a, in a, in a preview mode right now. Exactly. Yeah. So what's your what's your 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 plan moving forward? We're gonna keep on adding in like a lot more functionality as far as integrations and making the the conversational side of things much much more intuitive. So what we discovered obviously you know ChatGPT came along in in November December of last year kind of transformed how people expect software to work with them. So you know I think of these like technologies like you know large language models as being sort of a a bridge or a wormhole between like structured languages and unstructured languages, right? Basically like natural languages. So like. Before you had to know, you know, Python or SQL or some other way to query these systems. And now you can ask questions in natural language, in English, right? Just be like, I want to know, like, what's my inventory of pods right now? Which ones are running? Show me the list of that stuff. And you can actually ask it in that form, right? And we can actually, like, take that input, turn it into a code query, run the query, bring you back the answer within a second, right? So you can ask any question you want to. You don't even have to know what the language is, and we'll give you back the answer uh, within prompt ops. And so you can stay inside, you know, Slack or Microsoft Teams get all the data brought to you on a platter, right? In real time and be able to act on it right away. And presumably the right data. And that's exactly. really the goal of what you're trying to accomplish is yeah. to filter the data appropriately so you get the data that you need and nothing else. And that's- That's right. Like that's, I, I think of these machines as not trying to replace us, but trying to augment and connect our knowledge bases together. So if you've done something before, we actually in prompt us, we'll look at the past Slack conversations to find out what the other causes were. If the same matters happened before, we'll actually bring that into the context as well. Our job is to like learn everything and bring the evidence to you, right? Because you're the operator, you're the user who can actually make the judgment calls, which you know software cannot do. Right, right. So usually when we talk about problem resolution, we talk about mean time to detect and mean time to repair. Yes. And there's a, a third one in the middle there that I tend to talk a little bit about too, and maybe I should be talking more about that. That's, and that's the mean time to identify. And that's what I usually do is I split up detect into detect and identify. So. In my mind, just so we're using the same language, mean time to detect is um, when you become aware of something going on, and you, in other words, when your page goes pager goes off, saying yes. there is something that's going on. That yeah. the period of time it takes from when the problem really occurs until something tells you that there's something going on. Mm -hmm. The meantime to identify is this process we're talking about, the figuring out what went wrong. Okay, we know something's wrong. We don't know what what is it in figuring that stuff out. And in the meantime, repair is, okay, now we fix the code and deploy it or whatever the problem is and, and resolve it so it goes away. You're really focusing on, you know, while traditional metrics, you know, the the data dogs and the relics, the the log management system, you know, the uh, Sumo Logic, all of those companies are really exactly. dealing with the MTTD side of the world. You're really dealing with the MTTI side of the world, the identify part. Once you know that something's wrong, figuring out what it is that caused that and, and bringing to the point where you know what has to happen in order to fix it. 
Exactly. So like a statement. That's what you absolutely. So like if you think about like you know traditional observability, like what you mentioned, day dogs, Splunk, you know, wavefront signal effects. All these folks like basically are really good at the alerting side of things. They have metrics, they have logs, they can find anomalies for you and like say here's an alert to like throw off because your KPI dropped below the uh, threshold, right? The hard part is the next phase, as you mentioned. It's like detect is like been solved in a lot of ways. Diagnose is the the long pull. That's the hard part. And actually, diagnosing is longer almost always than remediation. If Once you know what's actually happening, the actions to go fix it often don't take as much time as the figuring out in the first place. And that's been true, again, my whole career. Boy, that, and that makes a lot of sense. And what, what's funny is traditional DevOps focuses on the, the improving the meantime to repair aspect. Yeah, exactly. But that's not where most you spend most of your time. And a good DevOps shop, the meantime to repair can be very, very, very fast. You know, we know how to do... Mass deploys now. It's 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 not not saying I, I have actually have a lot of clients that don't, but we as a as a uh, community know how to do fast deploys and fast fix uh, for problems and and fast fast deploy of, of 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 new capabilities. But what we don't do well and we don't talk about is this identification phase and how do we exactly. make this happen. That's, and and the, that's the reason really for that, I think, is that like detecting problems is really about point sensors, right? You have like a a bunch of point sensors that are like pulling off metrics, something goes weird, that fires an alert, right? Really simple to like scale that up. It's not co complex at all. On the other side, remediation also is usually a couple of actions in a few places is pretty like contained. It's the diagnostic part that is the full systems thinking, right? That's the hard part. That's when you get like, you know, 40 people on a conference call trying to like throw ideas back and forth and like pointing fingers over. That's the the bottleneck, the, the hard part, the organizational difficult part. And so what we believe is that like once you have that kind of like, you know, settled, the other sides of things actually kind of fall into place really naturally. Like they're the, the points, but the system is actually that middle phase. And what we saw in surveys is that diagnosing is more than two thirds of the time uh, across that whole mean time to repair. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. So if somebody wants to know more about what you're yeah. working on and about prompt ops, where, where can they find out more? Uh, definitely go to promptops.com. That's P-R-O-M-P-T-O-P-S.com. Prompt as in fast operations, promptops.com. Um, lots of ways to get in uh, touch with us. We have, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, I believe we have a TikTok account as well, but Twitter is probably the best way to, to ping us. I'm also uh, at devnog, D-E-V-N-A-G, uh, on Twitter.com. So happy to talk to anyone uh, there as well. Great. Well, thank you. So um, Dev Nog is the CEO of PromptOps, and he's been my guest today. Dev, thank you so much for being on Software Engineer Daily. Thank you so much, Lee.